Basically, Russian litigation consists of at least three stages. Labor litigation can last from three to 12 months at the first court level. The employee can apply to the European Court of Human Rights only if all options for legal protection within the country have been exhausted. Good morning. Welcome to Al Root Podcast, Be Aware and Share. I'm Irina Anyukhina, and I'm here today with my colleagues who handle labor law disputes here in Russia, Maria Nivezhina, labor and employment practice, and Margarita Gyazarva, labor and employment practice. And today we would like to discuss um, labor law litigation in Russia, procedure specifics to consider, to keep in mind, since uh, labor disputes in Russia indeed are specific. They involve, rarely involve large amounts of money, but um, given the formality of the process and uh, the specifics of procedures, the duration of the litigation here in Russia, they were discussing key practical aspects and to keep them in mind. Let's start. Margarita, could you highlight the key procedural features of the Russian labor litigation? Hello, everyone, and thank you very much, Irina. Indeed, in order to understand the nature of labor disputes in Russia, it's important to start with their distinctive attributes. The key features of labor disputes in Russia are the parties to the dispute, the type of admissibility of the case, territorial jurisdiction, and, of course, the applicable limitation period. While it may seem obvious, the labor dispute in Russia can involve not just employers and employees, but also state bodies, job seekers, independent contractors, as well as sometimes even unexpected third parties. For example, one of the cases our client approached us with recently began with a claim from a person they did not even know. The subject of the dispute was that the recruiter had turned the candidate down during the initial selection stage. And of course, candidate disagreed with that decision and um, took legal action against the employer, potential employer directly. We managed to prove in the court that there was no wrongful refusal to hire and the case ended successfully for the client, although it took a mini investigation to understand what was actually going on. As concerns admissibility and territorial jurisdiction, in Russia, labor disputes are considered by the courts of general jurisdiction. We don't have any special courts for this kind of disputes, as for example, Germans have. From the territorial jurisdiction perspective, we have different options. The proceedings can be instituted at the place of work of employee, the contract, the employer's location, the employer's place of residence. In other words, there is an alternative jurisdiction for labor disputes in Russia. So sometimes the claim can appear somewhere in Siberia if the dispute involves remote employees who reside far away from Moscow. As for limitation periods, it's quite simple. For dismissal cases, it's one month. For general employment regulation breach, it's three months. And for financial demands, it's one year. Thank you, Margarita. Now let's ask Maria, what can be challenged during labor litigation here in Russia? And uh, could you probably sum up for us uh, what are the most widespread litigation issues, types of claims here in Russia? Hello, everyone. Thank you, Irina, for your questions. Currently available statistics of Russian labor disputes show that there are two groups of the most frequent claims employees have against employers. 
the first and statistically the largest group of claims, which is about 90%, relates to non-payment or incomplete payment of salaries or other amounts due to the employee. It can be collection of unpaid salaries, dismissal payments or other payments, collection of interest for delayed payments, and collection of payment for forced unemployment, which implies payment of the average salary for the entire period between dismissal and reinstatement. Over the past year, the number of claims related to the non-payment or incomplete payment of different amounts has significantly increased due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The second largest group are claims on reinstatement at work. I should say that employees apply for reinstatement regardless of the grounds of the employment termination. For instance, some time ago we had a dispute when the employee tried to challenge a mutual consent termination. As you may know, mutual consent termination is traditionally considered as the safest ground for the employment termination since it implies that parties have voluntarily agreed on the employment termination. It is worth mentioning that the Russian courts became less formalistic while considering claims on reinstatement at work and tried to assess the background of each the employment termination. Strange as it may seem, but in our case, the court checked whether the employee fully understood the consequences of being unemployed. However, we had hard evidence supported that the decision of the employment termination was truly mutual. While talking about other type of claims employees have against employers, I should mention claims on personal data, claims on recovery of moral damage, and of course, claims on recognition the disciplinary sanction as illegal. The point is that an employee could be dismissed due to repeated non-fulfillment of job duties. This means that if an employee already has at least one disciplinary sanction, the second disciplinary sanction may serve as a ground for an employee's dismissal. So employees try to withdraw their first disciplinary sanction to avoid dismissal in future. In practice, employers' claims are less frequent. Employers usually initiate disputes over compensation for damage caused by employee and disputes challenging orders and fines imposed by the state labor inspectorates. Maria, thank you for your very comprehensive summary. The other question that comes uh, to my mind is the following. Are there any standard demands you can see in the labor litigation claims here in Russia? Margarita, what is your opinion? Yes, sure. There are some standard demands that employees usually bring to the court. And as Maria said, one of the most frequently appearing in court demands are financial claims. Employees can demand different types of compensation, starting from the unpaid salary, or maybe they think an unpaid salary, to moral damage, compensation for forced unemployment, compensation for different types of benefits, bonuses, etc. Second group of demands, which, of course, uh, not making it uh, less as uh, important is actually one of the most tangible demands is restatement at work. This demand actually means that if court decide that a dismissal was unlawful, employee will be back on board, will be back at the workplace, so uh, the employee will be reinstated. And this reinstatement means uh, not only bringing the employee uh, back uh, to the company, but also compensating for forced unemployment for the whole period of litigation, starting from dismissal date to the very date when the court decision entered into force. Sometimes we face uh, quite ridiculous demands from our perspective, of course. For example, we recently had a case where an employee attempted to recover an astronomical amount of bonus that he had calculated himself. 
In support of his claim, he brought a bunch of companies' policies, different calculations, even a presentation to prove to the judge that he actually earned that bonus and uh, to prove that the company calculated his results incorrectly. This was a long litigation, but not successful for the employee at the end. We have just discussed the general process of labor litigation. But I wonder if there are any specific situations. For example, do we have in Russia a requirement for mandatory pretrial procedure or a requirement, for example, for the participants to attempt to resolve the issue internally? Maria, would you comment on this? Currently, there is no obligatory pretrial settlement of labor disputes in Russia, although many of employees still believe that they should do something before filing a lawsuit. Some time ago, we had a dispute when the employee was challenging the dismissal. But before filing a suit, she sent dozens of letters to the employer saying that she's not agree with the dismissal. Certainly, she wasted the time and her claim was rejected due to the lapse of the limitation period. Before the trial, an employee is entitled to apply to the state labor inspectorate or to the prosecutor's office for protection. It is not an obligatory step. Moreover, it is ineffective for employees since such authorities are not empowered to resolve individual employment disputes. But it is important to know that in practice, such an implication may extend the limitation period. Certainly, regardless of the state labor inspectorate decision, the employee may bring a claim to the court. On a side note, it is worth mentioning that from July 2021, companies will be obliged to challenge ruling of state labor inspectorate firstly to the head of the state labor inspectorate. So the pretrial settlement in this case will take place. It is not common practice in Russia, but some of the labor disputes may be resolved through employment dispute commissions. Such commissions are formed from an equal number of representatives of employees and the employer. The decision of such commission may be challenged in court by both employee and employer. Thank you, Maria. Now let's discuss uh, the procedure in the court directly. The most frequently asked questions uh, are how long can the litigation last in Russia? Can the court decision be challenged? And uh, is there any amicable way to terminate the litigation? Margarita. Yeah, Rina, that's a very good question. I will start with the duration of litigation and then um, comment on other questions. So basically, Russian litigation consists of at least three stages. First stage is regional level, which is, in other words, first instance. Then the court decision can be challenged through the appeal court, which is second level. And then the case can go to the cassation court, which is the third level. Quite rarely, but still, furthermore, the case can be challenge in the Supreme Court of the Russian Federation. And actually, during the COVID times, we faced a certain case, we actually handled certain case which landed up in Supreme Court, which is quite a different experience, both for the participants of the litigation and for the lawyers <laughs> helping the clients. So, as you can see, that's quite a long way to close the case. And basically, the first stage of litigation can take from 3 to 12 months, but most oftenly, the average duration of the first uh, level of uh, labor litigation takes up to six months. Then the case goes a bit faster. So what was the second question? Could you please <laughs> remind me? Oh, sure. Is there any amicable way to terminate the litigation and uh, probably any specific parties to the litigation? 
Yes, yes, sure. That's very important part. Of course, during the litigation in Russia, the parties can approach to each other with the offer to conclude settlement agreement, so to reach amicable way of closing the case. And the point is that employer and employees or parties to the litigation, they can agree on any conditions of the settlement, but this condition should be linked to the subject matter of the labor case, firstly. And the secondly, which is quite good, that this settlement can be reached at any stage, really, at any stage of litigation prior to the moment the judge leaves the courtroom to make the decision. So that's quite flexible. And yeah, there are some particular participants of the court hearing, and namely, these are prosecutors to state's attorneys. And these uh, special participants of labor disputes in Russia join the litigation for the cases related to reinstatement at work. And the primary aim of these participants is to supervise the compliance with the general labor law regulation. So these prosecutions, they don't serve to employees or to uh, employers. They just supervise the neutrality of the litigation. And sometimes the decision of the judge contradicts the opinion of the prosecution. But this is quite a different story. Thank you, Margarita. We have overviewed the protection granted to employees on the national level. Now, what are the means to use outside of Russia and do they exist? I mean, can an employee from Russia, for example, file a claim to the European Court of Human Rights? Maria. Thank you for your question, Irina. Yes, definitely. An employee from Russia could apply to the European Court of Human Rights since Russia has ratified their Convention for the Protection of Human Rights. Although the employee can apply to the European Court of Human Rights only if all options for legal protection within the country have been exhausted. This means that the employee must go through all the court levels provided by the Russian law. Only after that it is possible to apply to the European Court. A complaint to the European Court of Human Rights must concern violations of the rights guaranteed by their Convention for the Protection of Human Rights, otherwise the claim would be rejected. But in practice, employees frequently do not take this peculiarity and into account, and they do not consider that the party to the litigation is not an employer itself, but the Russian Federation. However, it is worth mentioning that Convention specifies a small number of rights in concert to the national legislation. Thank you for our conversation today and highlighting key issues of labor litigation in Russia. To sum up, Russian procedural laws allow employees to choose the legal venue at their own discretion, either at the location of the company, at employees' place of residence or the place of execution of the contract. And uh, given the increasingly popular form of remote work, this right of employees takes on a new meaning. As a rule, uh, as Margarita mentioned, labor litigation can last from 3 to 12 months at the first court level. And uh, also it often takes... Uh, Uh, place several thousand kilometers away given the dimension of our country. In such cases, it is extremely important to provide high-quality and prompt legal support to the company to minimize litigation time and uh, optimize dispute resolution. Thank you for joining us today. You are welcome to listen to our episodes on the Alrud website, in our podcasts on iTunes, Google and Yandex Music. 
In case of any questions, feel free to approach us via podcasts at alrud.com. Hope to see you on next occasion in our next episode. Be aware and share. We wish you all a very nice day.